Welcome to American Soccer Analysis. I'm your host, Harrison Crow. Uh, right beside me virtually is Ian, the MLS analyst. <laughs> is that what you put in your... In your uh, uh, is that... We're not supposed to put titles? Oh, no. You go right ahead. I, I'll call you the MLS analyst. I put... No, I think that title's taken. I put the MLS analyzer. I'm like the cheaper off-brand version of it, like Dr. Uh, Dr. Pibb or whatever, Mr. Pibb instead of Dr. Pepper. I don't, you know what? That's kind of cool. I don't know. I used to drink Mr. Pibb. I think that's kind of cool. Okay. I'm 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 all right with that. Are you all right with me and Mr. Pibb? Absolutely, absolutely. I I never got my degree. <laughs> well, I mean, like you, it's not like you just like didn't get your degree. Like that's like years of schooling. Dr. Pepper was in school for so long. Yeah, but Mr. Pibb has street smarts. Well, exactly. Like, not only that, but like, Mr. Pip probably has a, a larger amount of value at this stage in his life, right? He doesn't have any college debt. You know, he's probably already set up his 401k and working towards his retirement. It doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't have, you know, like, highly valued skill set. He's full of life experience, though. And that's what yeah, abs- absolutely. All right. Um, now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, <laughs> so in the, in the podcast description, just make sure you put like the first minute and a half is discussing uh, Mr. Pitt versus Dr. Pepper, and feel free to uh, skip that at your, at your uh, discretion. And, and not just that, but like the life decisions. What is that like? Let us read into life decisions mm-hmm. by your cho- choosing between the two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So uh, let's talk about soccer. for the longest time. Uh, really since I've known you you have this little tick about you yes and, and as soon as we talk about like especially like in nerd league people start talking about well he's kind of a winger and like you explode into this irate um, like Hulk <laughs> monster of there is no more wingers like you're like the emo version like the soccer emo version right now like wingers are dead man um, <laughs> yes yes Go. Uh, can you explain to me like your theory? Because I really want to vet the idea. And the idea behind this was to kind of start looking at um, strategy and stats um, in the context of uh, positional assignments or maybe attributes. I, I don't want to say assignments because I even feel like positions itself are dead, um, which we can talk about in a much larger scale some other time. But let's focus on wingers. And we're going to kind of come back to this every so often. But today, this is your platform. This is my platform. Okay. So, uh, to kind of explain the, the whole holistic theory of, 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 of what a winger is, um, we're going to have to go back in time a little bit. And I, I hope you'll indulge me for a few moments because this really is a story about kind of the evolution of a position more than it is about the dying of one. Um, the term winger kind of originated like 
that position, that role, was something you would have seen like back in the '90s, uh, back when teams were sort of playing these, uh, still really frequently playing these like flat four four twos. You had these guys on the outside of your midfield uh, that would play both ways. They'd run forward, they'd run back, they would hug the touch line. Um, usually, a, a good winger was someone that was pacey, that could cover a lot of ground um, and exploit the space on the flanks, uh, and that would look to get crosses in. Uh, almost more than anything else on the pitch. Um, what happened to that was that eventually defenses started trying to adapt to this, and you were seeing a lot of crosses coming in, so defenses would adapt to this by trying to like choke that uh, supply to the, to the center forwards. Um, and they would try to kind of double up on that winger and force him to the inside, uh, where he had a much smaller skill set. Um, and generally, he was also uh, kind of facing the goal uh, on his weaker foot uh, because you would have uh, right footers on the right wing, left footers on the left wing to, to hit in these crosses with their dominant feet. So now they're forcing them inside. So now that they're looking at these attacking positions with their weaker foot, and it was a good way to kind of strangle a team and, and kind of defend against it. So to counteract that, uh, teams started employing what you would call, and I, I think this is the basic blueprint for what we still have today, but what's what's essentially what's called an inverted wing. Uh, and that's a winger that uh, no longer plays on the wing very much, in fact, but cuts inside. And, and generally this winger, uh, you know, they, they have, they're playing on the wing that's opposite uh, of their dominant foot. Uh, your right-footed player is going to play on the left, your left-footed player is going to play on the right. You're going to cut in and kind of then have more options passing-wise, or you can be dangerous on the shot. Jordan this Morris. Also, for example, this also opened up a lot of room for our fullbacks to all of a sudden start running up behind them. And now that is where your width is coming from. Um, and to this day, I, I, like I said, that's sort of, I think, the difference that we're, we're talking about as a winger uh, in the classical sense and an inverted winger. Um, you know, but that inverted winger would still nominally like go back and support on defense as well. Uh, and that was part of their role. Um Somewhere, and I guess if you had to like put a date on it, I, I think it'd be like around like 2008 to 2010. Uh, and I think it was really Brazil and uh, maybe like the 2006 World Cup era that you really started kind of seeing this further evolution of this position into what's uh, kind of known as an inside fort. And rather than kind of occupying the spaces that are the furthest out wide on the pitch, you know, these guys are attacking the channels in between the fullback and the center back. Um, and I think that's basically what we have today still to this degree, uh, to a large extent, and in and, and MLS a lot as well. Um, as players get better and as players get more fit, they're expected to do more things. And so you have guys that can kind of swap between the wing and like that inside channels and inside forward. Uh, but yeah, I think that the classical two-way up and down, crossing the ball, sort of uh, supporting the fullback winger is, is, is quite dead. So and this is just kind of simplistic. Um, this is about, you talk about the winger taking on the space or occupying that space between the fullback and the center back. So this would be more of like fullback to touch line. Like it, this is about extreme width. Yeah, I mean, like you're not, um, teams just are like that space now, like the furthest space is wide when teams are attacking are now occupied by the fullbacks. There's no winger there anymore. That person is now inside. I mean, part of that though is the evolution of the fact of the fullbacks, right? Yeah, 
I mean, we've we've seen how much full, the game with fullbacks has changed, especially within MLS, and the fact that you have so many different um, fullbacks that we we say overlap, but in reality, um, they're cutting in, and they're becoming more attacking op uh, minded and uh, opportunistic, mm-hmm. at least in my mind. So this is kind of it begs the question. So when we talk about a a winger. Um, your your idea and is is there anybody necessarily that kind of stands out like Brad Davis is that kind of the like for me that's who I feel like you kind of described there Brad Davis to a degree uh Fabian Castillo spent a lot of time on the touchline actually um for Dallas uh he's still cut in an awful lot but but he was in that role more often um I'm thinking back to like Moro Rosales was a guy that didn't come in a lot that kind of stayed back and was a little bit less pacey but was was definitely mainly there to provide service in the form of crosses. But yeah, there's not a lot to speak. I of. think Christian Bolanos uh, might be another one. Yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah, uh, definitely. He actually leads right now in uh, key passes from the cross, which is actually why I thought of him, mm-hmm. um, just in the sense that he does stay relatively wide and does focus on just uh, in, in pelting. Uh, crosses into the box so um yeah that's i i think that there's a lot of uh i think this is a really good discussion at at least in the in the sense of not necessarily what has been because i mean it's important to know your history but also know uh what the difference is between the two right yeah and i don't mind having a sort of shorthand for calling that position He's a winger. I mean, I, I understand what people mean. People understand what other people mean when they say it. Uh, my point is just to sort of say, if we're going to call somebody, I prefer to talk about kind of positionally in roles rather than in, you know, where they look like they are on like a, a lineup graphic. Um, and I just think that role has changed so much from what the winger was that it, it's really not that anymore. Um, so when I say the winger's dead, I, I don't mean to say that you can't call somebody a winger or call someone that, you know, not only plays on the outside, the wing. Um, I just mean that it's very different from what it once meant, and I, I want to make sure that there's a distinction in that when, when we're discussing these kind of things. So with that being said, and we went through a few different options of you know possible wingers, um, the one that kind of is... Well, let's just face it. He, his crosses have gone up. His through balls have gone down. He's moved from the middle of the pitch to the outside Nicholas Ladero, who yes. is a favorite of yours and mine, um, is he a winger at this stage of his career? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd put it fully like he's just going to become a winger, but that's definitely where he is playing right now. He is playing that kind of inside forward role, and he is making a lot of crosses per game. Um, so he's still the main creator. He's still the guy that's kind of this the, the spark um, but he's just doing it from the left instead of from the middle like he was last year. So with that being said, though, and you look at Seattle in itself, it's it's such an enigma in the sense of they're sitting eighth overall right now on the table as we record mm-hmm. uh, on point, both in overall points and points per game. But then we also kind of roll that ball a little bit forward and you realize that uh, expected goal differential, they're sitting fifth in all of MLS and third in, in the Western Conference. And you kind of have to say, 
you know, you pull your Jerry, you know, summon your Jerry Seinfeld and say, what is the deal? In some way. And, you know, you and I, we had, uh, what was it? Um, Saturday night, Sunday yeah. night, we, st- we stayed up late playing video games and having this conversation. Yeah. And we basically put, said, put this on hold. Let's talk about this now. And yeah. so I'm putting you, you to the screws. What is going on with Seattle? Because you don't like where they're at. Well, I mean... It- There's a very um, simple answer to the question, and that's that they're not scoring goals. Um, And there's a more complex problem to that, which is why aren't they scoring goals? Uh, And I think that the answer to the the question of why they aren't scoring goals is because they're not getting their goal-scoring players where they need to be. Um, I don't feel like you've seen Jordan Morris getting on the end of, of through balls. I don't see you think you see him getting behind the defense as much as he once was. And that was such a big part of their offense last year. Um, I think that Dempsey and Lodero kind of tend to want to be in the same area, regardless of where they're supposed to be. Um, and I don't think that there's clicking there 100% yet. And I think you're getting to a place where you might want to analyze, like, is this an experiment we just keep banging our head into the wall, or do we need to start making adjustments? No, and, and okay, so in terms of Jordan Morris, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Like, I, I totally get that perspective. That being said, I feel like it's being replaced. Jordan Morris's role has been replaced uh, in two different ways. You have Clint Dempsey, who, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to him in just a second. But also, you have robotic arm uh, Will Bruin, who has kind of been thrust into this position um, the starting rule, which I, I don't feel like a lot of, oddly enough, I don't feel like a lot of people thought that this is the position he'd be in um, at the beginning of the season. It's kind of like it started out in the sense that, oh, he's going to be a really good backup. Mm-hmm. He's going to be solid as a backup. Well, and I, I think you remember, I kind of freaked out and was like, nope, he's going to start. Oh, yeah, you called this 100%. Uh, I was going to say, nobody expected this but you, apparently, and we argued about this a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, and it, at the moment, that seems like, given the ingredients that, that are, are in the dish, like, like this is kind of the best recipe because uh, he has been, you know, their most dangerous goal scorer so far. Yeah, no, absolutely. And with that, um, the other side of the coin is, you know, the rap on Will Bruin is that he's not scoring or he doesn't always finish the opportunities that he's given. And and granted, that's kind of been the case in certain situations. He's had um, probably, I I, I don't want to say big chances because that alludes to something or relates to something that's different for those of us that kind of get get into the granular uh, details of Opta. But he's definitely had some opportunities that... uh, that he's had good chances um, to score goals and he hasn't followed through. Well, I mean, that being let's... that being said, he has uh, compiled a basically four expected goals and he has four goals scored, at least to to our numbers as he has of five today. Goals, actually, he's slightly above the uh, his his xG. Uh, oh, that's right. He scored this so, weekend, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I was working off of. Or no, he uh, didn't score, but yeah, <clears throat> he scored last weekend. 
uh, or against Orlando midweek. Um, I'm sorry, yeah. you're you're absolutely right. I yeah, I yeah. we did, had old data that I was looking at ASA updated today. Yeah. Dang so, Kevin. So, so, <laughs> so with the updated data, he's at 4.59 expected goals, and he's got five. Right. I don't really have a problem with that kind of production. I mean, that that's perfectly reasonable. I, I think he's doing uh, very well with what he's got. And in fact, if you look at his his expected goals over 96, you know, per 96 minutes, you know, he compares very favorably in the league. Uh, you know, he's up towards the top of it. He's he does a little bit better than Audi and Dempsey and Montero and David Villa even. Um, so he's doing a lot with the chances he's been given, the minutes he's been given. Um, I don't think you can like look at Will Bruin and go, well, that's that's the problem, you know. But that being said, I also don't think you can look at Will Bruin and go, well, that's the solution. Well, I mean, Will Bruin doesn't have the skill set that I mean, you, you do throw him in the same uh, breath as Altidore, Adi, and uh, Dempsey, but at the same time, all three of those guys are much better passers. They do other things that are. Um, they they have a much rounder skill set, right? Um, Will Bruin is really good at finding holes, shooting shots, uh, <laughs> and creating goals off of those shots. And, and maybe not consistently, but at least on par with what the rest of the goal would or what the rest of the league would expect to score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that ideally, uh, you know, when you're in your mind and you're going, okay, well, he's gonna have. Uh, you know, Lodero behind him and Dempsey behind him and, and Jordan Morris behind him, you're going to think that there's going to be a lot of those chances. Um, and probably if there's anything that that would be expected, maybe there'd be a little bit more than than, than, than an expected goal of 4.59. But, um, yeah, again, I really can't throw any of this at Will Bruin. I, I don't look at that, that lineup and say, okay, well, he's definitely the problem. That doesn't mean he can't be upgraded or that there isn't a better player to kind of go in that, that four-person set. Um, but I think that, that this is more a decision of like how the balls are getting to them and how the passes are getting into them, where they're coming from and who they're coming from. So when you're talking about that four-person set, we're talking about you know the wide left, wide right, uh, centrally attacking midfielder, maybe that reserve striker, and then the striker position. So yes. Nicholas Ladero being you know number one uno of that grouping. I know you want to move him into that middle. Yes. And, and I have... I, <laughs> yes, stop being stupid, Harrison. This yeah. seems like the best thing to do with him. He's the best at that. And, and uh, Ben Bear uh, wrote an article about this earlier, about the differences between how he's been deployed in the sense of you have basically... The Sounders have gone with two different methods, right? either clearing out the central and just allowing him to basically do his thing with Ozzy and Christian just kind of sitting right behind him, bossing. And then they've put him out on the wing and basically been like, we're going to muck up the middle. And Nico, you just either run down either one of the flanks that you want to and just do your thing. Either yeah. way, it's it's allowing, it's allowing him to kind of dictate this. And I think that's ultimately what this has to be, right? It, it's his attack. So you you set him aside. You have three other spots, and you know Will Bruin. We we can both agree um, is doing admirably at the at this moment. However, full stop. You probably want to upgrade him in the next twelve months, considering what your aspirations are as a franchise, as an organization. Yes, that we all know Seattle has. So then you're dealt with two other pieces in 
the meantime, and that's Jordan Morris, who you kind of mentioned. And I, I, we could talk about Jordan Morris, I'm sure, for like an hour. And, and I don't think anyone that listens to this wants to listen to us argue and quibble about really small details of Jordan Morris. We talk um, a lot both, about Jordan Morris, yes. <laughs> well, well, part of that's because we both have owned him. I traded him to you in Nerd League, yes. and we both yes. have highly scrutinized like how he's utilized, and we have very uh very detailed and granular thoughts on this process but really what i want to focus on is clint dempsey Mm -hmm. so matt doyle uh has been kind of parading this around as a solution for the u.s men's national team i know you kind of uh, at least have alluded to as much for him in the sounders you want him to go into that super sub role and just be removed off the field is that correct or am I putting words in your mouth? You're putting a couple of words in my mouth. Um, I think as a number 10, I, I think he is just not effectively using his skill set. I, I would rather see him be either that goal-scoring striker, that number 9, just put him up top in front of that thing for Seattle. Um, and again, I'm just going to speak on, you know, in regards to Seattle for this right now. Um or let him and Lodero kind of swap and, and let Dempsey kind of do his, like, driving in attack. He really likes to go at people with the ball, uh, and he doesn't really want to do through balls or make passes like that. Like, he wants to dribble. He wants to, like, take outside shots. Uh, I think he would be more effectively served from that side of things that, than, than Lodero necessarily would. And then you could put Lodero back into, like, his role. And I think that would benefit Morris, too, uh, at the, the number uh, nine role if he's there, which is where I think we're going to see him. I mean, I think that after this transfer window, uh, the, the spot that you're going to see filled is going to be uh, the spot on, on, on the other side of, of Dempsey. Um, and I think you're going to see Morris move back into that number nine role because ultimately, if that's where you've got him as your future, then you need to go ahead and start playing him there at this moment. So um, I'm, not a, I'm not saying we have to bench Clint Dempsey and get rid of him. I, I, I think that he, can, he would be a very effective super sub and, and probably uh, one of the better ones. And we saw him do it to, to great effect uh, on Sunday against Portland. Um, but but putting him for ninety minutes at, at the ten just isn't isn't cutting it right now. See, I, I the, there are things to agree with and, and and things that I completely disagree with. And okay, the thing the 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 big takeaway is I agree that he can be a number ten. I disagree that he can't be a number ten for ninety minutes. Um. Mm-hmm. Also, I disagree that Jordan Morris is a number nine. But again, tabling. I don't. I don't necessarily either. But I, that is where you will see him move. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to put. We're gonna have to have a bet on that. There okay, is, let's do it. Well, I did bet on it when I when I let you trade him to me. That was my bet. Was that we were gonna see that him move to that number. That's totally fair. And at yep. the same time, like I bet that Sebastian Legette was going to get healthy before September to help me win uh, our cup. And yeah, I think that that was a gamble on both of our sides. <laughs> that being said, yeah, I don't think either one of us is winning this. Um, no, no. I, so I think Dempsey does a lot of things really amazing still I don't think dribbling at defenders is one of them Hmm. and he's inclined to do it he's less good at it now than he was even two years ago 
And, and I don't think you'll disagree with that, especially with having someone like Oba, who is an elite uh, penetrator. Dempsey is really good around the box. And, and I think that that's where his future is. I think having him kind of sit as a shadow striker or kind of maybe a reserve striker sitting behind there, not collecting the ball, allowing Ladero to do that and move back around uh, Bruin to kind of help create. Because that's one thing that Dempsey's done really well since he's gotten back, and that is find spots to hit Will Bruin and Ozzy and Christian Roldan and even Nico as they're cutting in for the ball. He's done an amazing job of that. Um, mm. And I feel like that's really an underrated aspect of his game um, when it comes to that. Granted, he doesn't have like the highest expected assist. Um, it's only, it's just under two. But that being said, I mean, that's almost twice as much as what Will Bruin has um, so well, but Will Bruin isn't number ten, and you know the ostensibly yeah, right, 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 right. But, but we're talking about the the person that you have right now in your nine roles, Will Bruin, who has really good uh, skills in one area, but is not fully rounded. So pairing him with Dempsey, who will sit on his shoulder and do all the things that Bruin isn't good at—the hold-up play, yeah. the passing—that's what I'd want him to do. Um, there's also Duh. a question, and I, will, I want to point out that with Dempsey and a player like Dempsey, he might be good at passing and he might not be as good at dribbling as he once was, but that doesn't mean he's going to start passing all the time and stop dribbling as much as he used to. No, but at the same... And, and uh, please forgive me if I, if I sound like I'm contradicting myself. I'm trying not to, but yeah. I think if he gets that ball around the, mid, uh, around the top of the 18, the guy can create space for himself still. What I'm talking about is that deep... Um, dropping into the midfield and really almost even the defending third and then bringing that ball up like we saw early on in the season last year really doesn't work now. It, when he tries to do that, he gets dispossessed and it happens very frequently. Um, you and I both watch a lot of these games. Uh, you watch pretty much every game uh, <laughs> with Total MLS, you know, tweeting all that stuff out. But he loses the ball so much and we can see that in the numbers and primarily that's because he's getting the ball in places which his skill set no longer uh compa- is comparative right going up against Roger Espinosa in the midfield he can probably duck Espinosa but is he going to duck Sanchez too probably not right like he his legs has just enough to get past like one defender create a little bit of space and then move He's not going to be able to just ball, you know, ball hawk all the way down the center of the midfield anymore. That's that's Lodero if you need it, or you know, somebody else. So that's that. That's just my opinion, looking at the numbers and watching the games that I have. Uh, yeah, but I mean, we're talking about this. Isn't necessarily like. I don't think you want your number 10 to be like just dribbling past two people. Like that's not something in my mind from that position in the middle of the field that I really expect to see. Uh, that's something I expect to see more of an outside player do someone cutting in that's trying to beat people on the dribble, which you've mentioned, like he's just going to do. I, I just think that, you know, if he's going to do it, like at least do it from the right area of the pitch. Uh, and that, I think it's a little bit easier to kind of compensate for like a disposition in that way. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting question, and, and I don't know that, that obviously we have all the information and all the right answers on it. And I, I'm going to be very curious to see what happens with this team in this transfer window. And I think based on who they buy, uh, and I think they will buy somebody, um, we're going to kind of see what Schmetzer and, 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 and Garth Lagerwey's plan is uh, for how this, this team, how that attacking uh, four is going to line up from, from here for the next year or two. So let's just say Dempsey is uh, no longer a thing. All right. Are you there in your imaginary land? Yeah, I've been there for a while. (laughs) Nico moves into, uh, Poseidon himself moves into the midfield. Yes. Is he the best 10 in this league, in your opinion? Um. Let's give you, let's give you some hate mail. Yeah, why are you doing this to me right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, him and, and, and Mauro Diaz are going to be kind of in, in that conversation, I think. Um, certainly, uh, you, you know, Javinko kind of has, has some say there as well because uh, he likes to operate in that kind of middle part too. But um, he's up there. I mean, like we saw last year when, when he's when he's creating from there, you know, he can just be absolutely devastating. Um I'd like to see him longer than one kind of, um, you know, half season to kind of like make a, a judgment call like that uh, at this time. But yeah, I, I think that's his best role, and he showed he can play there extremely effectively. My worry is, it, and I, if you put Jordan Morris back up to the nine, and you put Nico down, you know, Ladero down below him, I think that that's you're going to see the best of Ladero. And, and it's not because Jordan Morris is otherworldly or is an elite player, but it's the skill set that Jordan Morris has, right? Jordan yeah. Morris can run. And he is uh, head down. Like, he reminds me of kind of the running backs that, like, the Steelers compiled for years. That mm-hmm. is, like, they're just a downhill runner. I'm going to run hard, and I'm going to run straight at you. And it's not to say Jordan Morris is the fastest player in the league. Uh, he's not. But at the same time, that's what he likes to do. He likes to get out in front. He, he wants to beat uh, central defenders to the ball first. And, yeah, and he's that's what Ladero. It, absolutely. And that's what Ladero is really good at, is providing service for Morris to get out and do that. So their, their skill sets accentuate each other. Vice versa, I feel like having Ladero out on the wing accentuates uh, the fact that he's really good at putting balls on the top of Will Bruin's head, or at least providing Bruin some opportunities to get that ball in. And you know, I hate crosses. Uh, there are certain types of crosses that are. I would say, like, but yeah, sure, he's good at it, but how effective is it? I mean, we're talking about how they're not scoring enough goals. Like, so right, I mean, but he might be good at putting the ball into Will Bruin's head, but is putting the ball at Will Bruin's head like an actual effective strategy for Seattle going forward? No, probably not. But at the same time, it, we're talking about what they're doing now versus you know what they're probably going to change and do. So if we're we're expecting Seattle to go ahead and l- let's say they go and sign, what is it, Darylis Gonzalez is, is like yeah, the. We're rehashing this three months later. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one won't go away. Uh, so, 
I mean, let's say we he he's brought in, he goes out on that right side, Ladero moves right in. Again, Dempsey is completely invisible, doesn't uh, matter anymore, doesn't uh, doesn't exist in this in this magical world. And Ladero moves into the middle. Morris goes up top. Uh, I feel like you're going to see the best case scenario for Seattle. And I think you're going to have a lot of pieces that suddenly work a lot better. Agreed. I don't think that's what will happen. Um, I, I think you'll see Dempsey stay where he is. I think you'll see Morris go to nine and you'll see Lodero and whoever the new signing is kind of go on either side of him. Um, just because I, I think you're kind of, it's difficult. I mean, I, it would be a very uh, ballsy call from Schmetzer to start benching Dempsey regularly or benching Morris regularly. I mean, these are kind of franchise guys that they sort of, um, you know, have, have ostensibly like built around and, and built towards. Um, so would it well, be see, the best thing to do in this immediate future? Possibly, but I, I don't see it happening. See, the the other side of the coin, though, it would be to start Dempsey up top as the number nine, put Ladero underneath him, put find two wingers, uh, throw or find one winger, put him out on the right side, allow Morris to work out on the le- uh, wide left and cut in on his you know only foot that he has because um, he basically runs with a peg leg, and so yeah, that's uh, ideally that's that's how like ostensibly uh, how I've envisioned them them moving forward. Yeah, and that's very possible. Or at least that's they, how I want. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say how I envision them go, moving forward, but how I would, how I would envision them going forward. I know that uh, I read an interview uh, not, not too long ago, a couple of days ago, where where Garth sort of talked about Morris, and I, I, the, the feeling I got from it was that you know he basically said that that nine role is where they see him going forward in the future. So I'm gonna go kind of operate under that assumption that that the piece they, they they bring in will will be to fulfill that goal um i don't Which, know if I, I agree with it i don't know if it's the right thing to do i i know it will probably work better than what what has been happening so far this year though so with that all in mind alvaro fernandez basically quit this week uh or last week for seattle or at least said his goodbye it was is a weird scenario like i i still don't fully don't understand, understand what's it, going yeah. on um but if he's gone, that now gives Seattle three senior roster spots. Three. Yeah. That's uh, that's cra- that's like so much depth right there. Um, yeah. That they and they have money in Tam. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm I, I, not to say that any of us are are familiar with what any MLS team's budgets are, but right. our understanding is they have money to spend. Yeah, and I think they're going to need to spend it on <clears throat> this uh, offensive piece. Uh, I think they need to spend it on a right back um, and possibly uh, someone else to kind of cover um, a versatile sort of, of defensive midfielder sort as, as well. Uh, that would be my usage of those funds <laughs> and roster spots. No, I, I think that that's a... The question is, are you throwing, are you buying down, uh, assuming Ozzy is, in fact, uh, under a million, are you actually going to buy him down? Are you going to use all your TAM to buy down Osvaldo Alonso for half a season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't... 
I don't think that there's going to be a, a clever way to do this sort of. Uh, and again, the kid's hard to say because I don't know what this potential player is. Um, assuming that he's the type of player that you want, he's going to be at the DP level. I, I don't think you want another kind of Tam guy there to kind of, that's going to sort of match the the amount of attacking talent you see throughout the rest of the league right now. Um, so yeah, I'd do it. I mean, worry about next year's problems next year. You gotta you gotta get back into the playoffs this year. That has to be your kind of singular focus. No, absolutely. I, I think that that's you can already see that that there is a vision and that there's structure there to be added onto. And I don't think that the Sounders are nearly in the situation that say like uh, Portland is. And, and I don't want to come across as you know a, a podcast that's now picking sides on on either sides of Cascadia. Uh, God, that'd be awful. Um, but with that. Portland's defense has been so bad. You know, they added a center back this past week, and uh, I don't have that in the liner notes uh, as far as the, the individual's name. You see that they, they're already trying to address concerns. But Portland already, I feel, is in a scarier spot than Seattle is. Even though they're above, you know, the quote-unquote red line, Portland just, that defense scares me um, across the board. Yeah, um, they brought in uh, Larry's Mabiala, who I'm going to be 100% honest. I don't really know much about. I don't watch a lot of Turkish League football. Um, so uh, That makes perhaps, two of us. Yeah, so perhaps he comes in and sort of uh, is this kind of figure that they want and have, who seems to be, uh, based on what little video I've seen, uh, you know, just a very athletic center back. Um, and, and that could fit their style very well, especially if he can kind of uh, pass well out of the back. But um, I think would I say they're in like a scare situation in Seattle? I, I don't know about that. I, I think Seattle is, is definitely in a, in a worse position right now. Um, their defense is stronger, but they're still leaking goals uh, when they shouldn't be. Um, and they don't have the offense to kind of overcome that like Portland does. So I, I'm not sure I would agree that, that Seattle's in a wor- is, or that Portland's in a worse position than Seattle right now. No, I, I, I think we both can uh, agree to disagree. Um, yeah. <laughs> Vancouver, um, who sits now basically between the two, mm-hmm. better or worse than Seattle? Man, um, just yeah, I, I'm I'm throwing I'm throwing heat at you. I never. So I think you've got to kind of look at where Vancouver had problems last year and, and you know, look at kind of that, that, that they didn't have that goal scorer. Uh, I think that they bought Freddie Montero with the intention that that guy would be that goal scorer. Um, and right now he's sitting at, what, five? Um, that can't be the kind of output that they had in mind for him. Um, they do seem uh, slightly more disciplined this year, so... I'd have to say that uh, at the moment, I think they're right around Seattle. I would be hard-pressed to pick which team I think will, will finish ahead of the other at this point, given the current rosters as we see them right now. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting situation in, in Cascadia across the board. All three have really compelling uh, storylines, and, and that, to me, makes for fantastic um, soccer, especially like living on the West Coast. And I see Sporting KC absolutely just having dynamite defense. Um, 
Colorado's kind of fallen back down, but they still play in Colorado, which is just a nightmare to go and play at on the road in, in general. San Jose yeah. finally is evolving. Um, and, and look, I know a lot of people disagreed with uh, the Dom Kinnear firing. Um, I, I think it's a difficult situation. I've never been in favor of firing a coach mid-season. So it's a little bit of a hard situation to kind of come into. But uh, Houston's gotten a, a lot of upgrades over last season. You have FC Dallas that Mario Diaz is basically like some superhuman being. Um, I don't it's know bad. if we've... Yeah. I mean, it's possible he could be that, uh, that X-Man. He could be who Char- Charles Xavier was looking for with the fact that he just basically regrew his uh, knee muscles and three quarters of the time that it takes a regular person. Not a regular person, it turns out. This is all no. the proof we need. And uh, then yeah. LA Galaxy continue to start playing uh, really well on the ho- on the road, like as if they are at home. Yeah, uh, we thought this was uh, uh, going to be a down year for LA, and now they're kind of really much on the uptrend. And a lot of that uh, is due to the uh, outside midfield, outside forward, inside forward winger play of <laughs> uh, Allison Trini. Um, who is someone that I, I would mention is one of those top kind of inside forward players that we see right now. Um, so as long as he's is firing on all cylinders, they're, they're a very dangerous team indeed. So it's, uh, I, there was a lot of, of, you know, sort of kind of hand-wringing said about like, oh, the East is overtaken. And like the East is where all the talent is now. It's where your top teams are. And the Western Coast is, you know, kind of on uh, a bit of a downward trend and that still might be true but the western conference is looking a lot more competitive than it was at the beginning of the year and that's gonna bode very very well for the rest of the season well i mean there's more parity between those three uh between the entire western conference versus on the eastern conference you have chicago new york city and then toronto and then everybody else yeah so I All right, it. man. That 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 hits our that hits the checklist. I know this is a All short right. episode, but we didn't. I mean, we've kind of. I've been traveling a lot. You've got a lot on your plate. Uh, we just wanted to kind of get an episode out and together. We we've been lining up guests over the next uh, three months. Hopefully, they'll come to fruition. We hope to have a, a lot of really fun content to be uh, hashtag content uh, to be thrown out. Um, yeah, please go out to uh, all the the Stitcher the uh, and. Android apps that you use to listen to your podcast, uh, the Apple, uh, iTunes, go out, rate us, make us feel better about what we do for our hobbies. That would that yeah. that would be cool. We promise not to only talk about the Sounders in the future. We will we'll talk about other teams too. Yeah, this just kind of stemmed from us uh, playing video games late at night and getting into arguments. Um, this is true. This is this is a thing we do now. So uh, yeah, thank you. Like Harrison said. Uh, Hopefully we're going to have uh, a little bit longer, more guests, more things involved. Uh, we're really looking forward. I, I really enjoyed being part of this show. So, uh, yeah, thanks to, to everybody for listening. Yeah, um, and one last thing before we uh, before we sign off. Um, I did beat Ian several times on uh, FIFA, and I'm better than he is. So Yeah, it's true. Ian, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. All right, adios, arrivederci, and I'll see you guys uh, here in a couple weeks. All right, thanks. Shut your face, high school jerks. We're about to show you how this works. Are we cool? Laser beams. We're
Party rock.